Welcome to the Ethics Experts, where we're elevating ethics and compliance and HR to the strategic level it's supposed to be. Hey, this is the Ethics Experts, the coolest HR and uh, ethics compliance out there. If it's your first time joining us, welcome. And if you are a returning subscriber, hey, bestie, hope you're having an amazing day. You see what happens when you subscribe to the Ethics Experts, you get a bonus greeting on every single episode. So hit that subscribe button and join us as we change the world by making our workplaces better. I am here with uh, Joel Lalji, and he is uh, he runs business dev for HireWell. Uh, he does all their marketing and stuff like that. But this guy is the, um, I don't know, I think you're like the most famous um, recruiter on LinkedIn that I've ever seen. Your, uh, your following is amazing. Your story is amazing. And I was excited to get you on today because uh, I think you got a really unique perspective, a unique voice, and some unique insights that our listeners can, you know, drop into their mind and start to, uh, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe make some changes. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, awesome to be here, Nick. And I was just thinking like how we originally got connected. And I think it was through uh, a fellow connection, Adam Posner. I feel like we kind of, that's that's how we got connected. But uh, it's great to be here with you and uh, excited to just, you know, chat about what we're going to, we're going to talk about today as well. I think it's uh, really relevant. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was through uh, Adam. He's, uh, he's probably one of my favorite, uh, my favorite people on LinkedIn. I love his, uh, his voice and his angle and, you know, as I got to know you and as I followed you over the last two years, you have just like exploded on social, yeah. you know, you're following on Twitter, you're following on LinkedIn. I mean, every single post kind of seems to go viral and uh, I've learned a lot from you. And I just think your voice and perspective is su su super interesting. As I said, T tell us a little bit about kind of how you got to where you're at, not just from like a social standpoint, but just, yeah. you know, how you got into this recruiting game. Yeah. Yeah. So I fell, I kind of fell into recruiting as everybody falls into recruiting, which is always a joke on the podcast that I run where, um, you know, I always ask like, how do you get into recruiting? And it's yeah. like, nobody plans in it. Right. Um, but yeah, I had a friend who, you know, really charismatic guy, uh, who's actually from the UK who had been in recruiting for about 10 years and he decided to start up his own recruitment company. Um, and the angle was kind of get away from like traditional uh, contingent recruitment, which is often seen as pretty expensive. And usually, you know, the service is pretty poor. And he, he developed a um, kind of like an hourly, what we would call an RPO solution. So essentially, recruiters would work on one position. Um, and it, instead of paying for a success fee, you'd actually pay for their time. So it was like an hourly billable model. And that that's how I got into the recruitment space um you know this guy you know, it was like day one you know he just kind of threw you into the fires it was like day one i'm meeting with executives trying to figure out how to solve these these hiring problems they've got and fill these positions um and and so and that company by the way i mean i think they're at they're probably about seven years old and they're at like two to three hundred employees wow. and um they're killing it you know yeah. it's really guys built a really successful business but i did that for about five years and and it was kind of in line with when i started posting on linkedin like essentially i just i don't know i just i just felt like i would kind of passed myself over for a couple of management opportunities um i kind of just had gotten used to just sitting in this you know kind of senior consultant position and to be honest with you i just was at a point where um I was a little bit bored in what I was doing. Like it was very much the same thing over and over. Um, and I started just noticing people on LinkedIn were just 
you know, it's kind of the obvious like content creators saying, if you post content, you'll be able to generate business leads. And if you, you know, build your personal brand, it will open up doors. And I didn't, I, it was kind of a new concept to me, to be honest with you, I'd been off social media for about three years. Like I'd shut down Facebook completely. Yeah. I was only on LinkedIn because of work, but, um, yeah, I just, you know, I just thought, you know, this is interesting. I, maybe I'll, I'd enjoy sharing insights in the role that I'm in. And that's, that's kind of how it started. And it was really, really slow at the beginning. I mean, I was just posting, you know, how to do creative subject lines if you're trying to get a hold of a really tough candidate or, um, yeah, how to deal with a, a counter offer situation. So it was really just basic advice that I thought, you know, I'm talking about this on calls with clients and we're talking about this all the time with, with the conversations I'm having, maybe this would be interesting to people. So, um, yeah, so I started creating LinkedIn content and, um, it's kind of bizarre at first. Like I think anyone who's started creating LinkedIn content, like people who know you are just like, what are you doing? Cause it's, it's just, totally. I, I think from the outside, like it's, it's, it's just kind of, and maybe not so much now, but definitely like two or three years ago, people were just like, this is bizarre. Like, why are you sharing stuff on, on LinkedIn? And, um, and yeah. And so, you know, long story short, it's already a long story, but uh, kind of getting past that point, the pandemic hit and, and I'd actually decided to leave that company. I'd mentioned that we've been with them for five years. I decided to leave them to go to a different recruitment agency, really in the search of just trying you know, trying a, a different recruitment model and, and that recruitment model, which I mentioned before, uh, you're pretty much capped based on how many hours you can work. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm sitting there going, wow, there's people who are billing, you know, million dollars. I'm billing at max. I was the number one biller at the company. I think I was billing 350,000 or 400,000, which isn't bad, but it was just like, I was working 80 hours a week. I was like, man, there's guys who are making more money, working less surely that's got to be a better option and um, so i left that agency and it was march i think it was like march 2nd of 2020 and it's like two weeks later the pandemic hit i'm stuck basically building trying to build up like a new desk as we call it or like a new my own business essentially um so you with non-competes on my back well i i went to an agency uh like a more traditional recruitment agency and in those settings you basically are your own business owner like you got it you split commissions but it's commission only you are responsible for your own business development right. you're the only thing you don't really handle is like payroll and um you know marketing they're supposed to handle all of that for you right um so i did that for about six months and as i was doing that still continuing to kind of build the linkedin following and i uh, got to a point after about six months where i was like you know, the following seems to be taking off. I think it was at like 50,000 followers at that point. Wow. And um, so I started my own like LinkedIn content creation business. Um, went went from that to coaching then. I, went, I spent a year coaching recruiters on how they could build their personal brand. And really, I think the turning point for me in terms of like, you know, like you had mentioned, like it's really been over the last, I think exactly a year that my, my followings just exploded and kind of doubled in size. Um, I just completely switched my strategy. And instead of talking about why recruiters should produce LinkedIn content and why you should produce content and all that sort of stuff, I just started posting relatable content for recruiters uh, about situations that they go through every day in a comical way. 
and that's where I really started seeing, um, you know, really an explosion in, in views and explosion in, in the following as well. And then along with that also, and maybe I'm the one to blame for this or someone to blame for this, but you know, screenshot, like the Twitter screenshots, mm-hmm. I started posting a lot of those. And, and so I had kind of this mix of posts, like I have really comical posts and then I have like what I consider kind of more just hard hitting posts where like a lot of those posts, like I'll just, it's just kind of real talk and maybe things that people in HR or people in recruiting kind of want to say, but they don't really want to say it because their employer might get mad. And the same for like really just people in general. I think uh, I started just really saying things that kind of like truths that I don't think get talked about a lot, but I think are just, kind of in line with the shift that we are seeing in society around like what work is, what success is, um, you know, so I'm sure we'll get into more of that. And again, apologies for the kind of the drawn out way, but that's, that's kind of how the story developed. Well, it's an interesting path, right? Cause you were just like, all right, well, I'll just kind of try this to kind of feed my business. And then it sounds like you used kind of the feedback that you were getting from that platform as just data points to say, oh, okay, I can lean more into this and lean more into that. And in doing that, you didn't fall into that sort of trap that I see a lot of people fall into where it's like, they won't pivot and, or, uh, they get so kind of one dimensional. And I think bringing those different aspects, like you do posts about your family and you do those funny posts and you do those sort of hard hitting, you know, I'm not a recruiter, but I can almost like empathize with, you know, the position that you're sort of talking about there. And I think that gives sort of a a depth or or dimension to who you are, which allows your personal brand really to come forward. Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about personal brand because I think, um, so my whole big thesis is that, you know, your network is your net worth. And we have this platform in front of us that while to your point, bizarre or cringy, or people might think it's stupid to like post stuff on there. It, if you can get over that like little bit of a fear, you really can make a bunch of connections with people. And there's yeah. a bunch of, you know, negativity, of course, but there's negativity everywhere. And like, I've made some really great friends um, through Damn. this, this platform and it's opened up opportunities for me. And like, you know, um, That is such a huge opportunity, especially to the extent that, you know, we're talking to people who may, who might be viewed as like cost centers in their organization. What ends up happening when you're in that sort of cost center mode, you end up like burrowing into your function. You, your to-do list is too long because you don't, you know, you don't have the budget to get the extra help you need. And you're just sort of so focused on, you know, the work on your desk, you, you can never lift your head and you inevitably start just like reinventing the wheel over and over again. So if you can expand that network and build some relationships and have some folks that you can reach out to, it just makes life better. It adds more richness to it. It builds a community and it also can help you do your job better. So, you know, if we can weaponize our personal brand or we can weaponize our, uh, you know, and put a real intentionality behind the expansion of our network. There's just so many like positive externalities that come from it. When did that like light bulb click for you where you, where you were like, you know what, I'm going to kind of pivot into building this. Like, I feel like I, I know enough about it to, you know, help other folks create content or help other folks kind of, uh, you know, kind of double down on building their personal brand. And what common mistakes did you see as you were working with clients in that business? I, I honestly, there's just one common mistake that I, I see. And, and that's, it's just, it, and it's kind of centered around just consistency and just giving up way too early. And uh, that, that was 
you know, I think with a personal brand, you have number one, you got to prioritize it. So it's got to be something that you dedicate yourself to. And so it's like anything that you would dedicate yourself to, right? Like health and fitness and going to the gym. You know, think about how many people start those new routines and then just quit a weekend, two weeks in. Right. So I just think as humans, I mean, we just struggle with that. And particularly like in our society, we want quick results. And I think with a personal brand, it's not quick results. Um, so for me, like the, the biggest mistake that I would see is just it's just consistency and then giving up too early or being disappointed with results. And uh, I think, um, you know, so I, I think that plays into it. And I think for me, like I just noticed really, really early that even within like the leadership at my own company or the company I was working at, it was like people could see that I was starting to create content and then other people tried it and they'd get to like day two or three and it'd be like, I've got nothing else to say. And I, I just realized that like, I probably have some inherent skill or ability just with writing and creativity, which I think, Hey, look to create content and to come up with new ideas. Like you kind of have to have that unless you're just kind of, unless you're more of a curator where you're sharing a lot of ideas, which is totally fine as well. If you're the one who's coming up with stuff, yeah, I mean, I I probably posted across platforms ten thousand times, and we're talking on TikTok as well, <laughs> like Twitter. So like, I just tend to come up with a lot of ideas, and I don't have a filter of like, oh, maybe this will make me look a certain way. Like, I just don't really care. I don't really have much to lose. And I think that most people, it's like that consistency. They're afraid of what people are going to think, and maybe you do have something to lose. I just happen to be in that place where. I don't really, I didn't really have that. And uh, so obviously that kind of gives me an advantage over people. Like I'm not really that worried about if I do a tweet and people don't like it, like it's going to happen. And you mentioned in the beginning, it's like some people are going to hate that. And I think like, particularly if you're talking about like executives or, you know, obviously like HR, like you have to be, you do have to be cognizant of what you're saying. Uh, I just have had the, I guess the freedom in the positions I'm in and right now in the position I'm in the company I'm with, um, who I report into, you know, I work really closely with a guy called James Hornick. And if you follow his content on LinkedIn, his tagline or headline is third most sar sarcastic commenter on LinkedIn. So like he loves the stuff that I put out, you know? So it's like now if I was working at a large, you know, corporation, you're probably going to have some limits on, on what you can post. And, and I can understand why that is. But I think to your point, like, I think there's two ways to approach personal brand. And like one is like the online and worrying about the followers and the metrics. The other is like actually building a network. And I think for me, like kind of both happen at the same time where like I started taking a lot of calls offline and like really getting to know people. And, and so now it's like, you know, I, you know, it's open up doors like this, like I'm getting to have a conversation with you. And it really, I think for me, like in my network, it's allowed me to connect with people who are just a lot more successful, a lot more, um, you know, a, a lot kind of like smarter than me in, in a lot of ways. And, um, but I think like now what I'm seeing, for example, on the podcast that I run, which is called Recruiting is No Joke, it's, you know, it's centered around like internal recruiting. So, you know, I get, I get people on there from Twitter or like Barstool Sports or, um, you know, chief people officers over at tech companies. Why do they give me the time? Well, probably because, you know, my in my little pitch to them, I'm saying, hey, I got over 100,000 followers. So like now there's some 
mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on, on these follower counts and things like that. So now well, there's a like a grep. It's a scale. It's a number. It's a sense of scale. Yeah. So. So it's like, it's something different, right? And right. something to say, hey, I can promote you on this. So, um, Smart. yeah, so I think a lot of things kind of just come together. But from the beginning, it, you know, like that first probably six months, I mean, if you look back at some of the posts that I did, you know, I'd get like seven likes and like some comments. But then I, what I do is I take those comments and like, you know, take them offline and build those relationships. So, um, oh, am I frozen? Nah, uh, I hear you. I, we're good. Um, so there we go. what I'm, what I'm wondering is how much, and maybe this is hard to answer, but how much of this freedom that you felt to like, I don't really care. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. Do you attribute to your circumstance of being essentially self-employed during that time or, um, yeah. or versus like, I'm just kind of wired that way. I'm just going to, you know, and how do you think maybe your wife would answer that differently? I, I think anybody in my life would answer it in this, in the same way of just, I'm just not like in life in general, I've always been that person who, you know, like I like to make people laugh. I like to, I like to have attention, you know, that's the truth of it. I like the attention if it's on my terms, like what I hate is being put on the spot. Like if someone puts me on the spot, I actually get really uh, self-conscious, but um, even like when I was a kid, like I was always a kid talking in class and like laughing and, right. you know, ha- having, having fun. And I think in the workplace, like I found it really hard to conform to, like I, I came into the workplace when it was like culture fit was everything. And I think we're getting away from that now. It's culture ad, right? It's like, what can you add? How can you be different? But I came into the world and it was like, or into the working world. I remember my first internship, I worked at a company in Milwaukee um, that they were really known for like just culture fit, like really, really known. And it was like, they had volleyball teams, they had these at all these clubs and it was like, but I, I just didn't fit into that. And I like, I didn't want to fit into it, to be honest with you. I was just like, I, I'm not bought into it. Like it's, I, I, I don't mind, like, obviously I want to have friends at work and I want to be able to relate to the people I'm working with. But like, I also like love my life outside of work. Like I love right. the community outside of work. And that's actually where I find a lot of my deepest relationships. So, um, but I think that was this huge, I remember just like, it was almost like, I mean, if you think about it, the word culture, you know, it comes from the word cult, right? So it's like, the, can't they have this, cult. you can't. And, <laughs> and so it's like, you kind of have to like, it was just in that time, you know, this is 2011, 2012. And it was in that time where it was like, you had to breathe and live. And it was right. like, if you weren't involved in extracurricular activities and you weren't bought into the culture and, um, you know, I'm, I'm not from the U S originally, I'm from the UK, you know, and, and I think having moved here when I was a kid, I was already an outsider all mm-hmm. the time trying to fit in. And, it was around high school where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to embrace being like the outsider. And I just don't really care. And I think to be honest with you, it's hampered me in a lot of ways. Because think if you think about corporations, the people who move up to the top are the ones who are like most in line with the vision and, and, you know, and it's just, yeah. that's just not me. And so it really isn't, you know, I'm really kind of blessed in a lot of ways in the position I'm in at Hirewell because it's then not like, the culture is extremely different for a recruitment agency. Everybody's laid back. There's no, 
boiler room feel there's you know i'm on i'm in sales and it's like it's more like hey let's figure this out and just grow the business than like dude why aren't you hitting your number and like you know crushing the cold calls whereas like you know if that was the case like i just i never do well in those those uh those environments you know but i to be honest with you i think that's why I like my stuff on linkedin resonates with people because i think like particularly with like people who are coming into the workforce like Gen Z and, you know, maybe like, you know, younger millennials, which, you know, I mean, maybe I'm like halfway in that, that bracket, but I just think like, we kind of been burned by big corporations and been burned with this whole idea of like your work being everything. And we, and we've seen parents, we've seen different family members struggle with stuff. So I think there's like a voice now of, you know, it kind of goes in line with this whole quiet quitting theme of like, Hey, like I want to work you know, I want to work hard and I want to do my job, but like, I don't want to just like give my life to something, you know, that's not mine almost. And and I think that's, that's very much my sentiment where like, I want to build businesses with people and I want to be involved, but like, I don't actually want to give my life just to this in, in like a way where it's just like completely takes over. And, uh, but I, you know, you ask, I'm sure as a business owner, I mean, like, that's a difference, right? It's like a business owner, like executive, you like, you are going to have to sacrifice things if you want to be successful. It's just the truth. Like you can't be like a part-time executive right. and run a billion dollar company. It's just never going to happen. Um, but I think it's just an understanding that like, that's not, that isn't right for everybody. So we shouldn't just like try and push everybody towards that either. And I think that's what we're seeing, you know? Well, and I think sometimes it can come down to a question of like what success looks like. Um, me and me and my brother were talking about this, um, last week and, you know, he was saying, well, it's hard to find somebody that I really like want to emulate in business because like they are, they might be really, you know, successful in this particular realm, but their personal life's a mess and they don't talk to their kids or, you know, they've had a string of divorces and all that stuff. And, you know, um, when I lived in Italy for a while, there was this saying, you know, you either, you know, live to work or you work to live. And those are two mm -hmm. very different things. And I think in the West or in, you know, America, our view of success many times is so sort of materialistic and it's so sort of um, like naturalistic in that like it's just like these tangible things, whereas there's all these other, you know, facets of our life, whether it's there are relationships or it's our kids or it's our community. Like, like you said, there's multiple facets on the shape of our life. And the most successful people, I think, have sort of a balanced success um, across those different, you know, facets versus that just kind of, you know, if you picture the shape that's just super lopsided, well, how successful are you really? You know, if you die at 55 with a heart attack and $200 million in the bank, like, is that a successful life? I don't know. Um, and so it's interesting that we're coming to this, you know, in our, before we started the show, we were kind of talking about this inflection point that I feel like uh, we're, we're approaching. And you kind of talked about a bunch of different sort of tangents on, you know, that are maybe sort of component pieces of that inflection point from quiet quitting to, um, you know, culture ad versus culture fit and this sort of work-life harmony versus this work-life balance or this just like focus of work over everything. And I'd love to dive into that a little bit because you have a really unique perspective in the game that you're in, not only from the experiences you've had both as a kid coming from a different country and, you know, feeling like this outsider, which gave you a freedom, I think, to, um, you know, kind of explore some of these things sort of unfettered, which I think is super powerful, but also you're coming in contact with the workforce 
as they're changing jobs. So you have a certain insight into like, well, what, you know, what people are looking for and what's behind that quiet quitting and yeah. that, that sort of commensurate disengagement that people are feeling and being burned by organizations. So when we talk about that, or when you're talking to new, um, you know, candidates, or when you have a new um, assignment from, you know, uh, a company that you're trying to find, you know, people for, what are you looking for both when you take those, uh, those assignments and what are you sort of consistently hearing more and more of in candidates as you're trying to like sell this position to them? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I haven't, I'm not doing recruiting as well daily, you know, now I'm more in sales, but before I transitioned into that, the first year I was at Hirewell, um, I was recruiting for recruiters actually and HR people. Okay. So that would be like, you know, all the way up to chief, you know, chief people officer. So those executive, you know, VP of HR, um, all the way down to, I shouldn't say all the way down, but like, uh, you know, all the way to HR coordinator or TA coordinator. So the team that I'm on, you know, we just get such a variety of searches. Like I could be working on, you know, a VP of talent role at a startup. And then, you know, we might have a marketing agency uh, that's been around for 200 years. They're looking for an HR coordinator. Um, but I think what's, what's, what I noticed, particularly with like HR and TA is, and I think this is something companies, you know, I've been talking about it a lot more because obviously like working with us as an agency, um, you know, you spend money to work with a recruitment agency. Um, like we have a program where essentially we embed talent folk into a talent team. So let's say your talent team is looking to hyperscale for the next six months because you're trying to reach a certain headcount to IPO. It's a lot for your recruitment team to handle. So you bring in a couple of external consultants. They, they fit into your team. They act like they act and breathe like your right. recruiters, but you're not taking the headcount on all that sort of stuff. So, um, but it's like, obviously like a service like that, it's expensive, right? But it's like the piece that people don't think about is like every single HR and TA person I've talked to probably over the last year, every single one of them is like burned out in some way or like, just like, you know, you talk to the TA people and it's like, just this like always being behind, always having too many wrecks to work on. And I mean, I guess that's, that's kind of like the nature of how it's always been. But what we're starting to see is like, even on LinkedIn, like people are, you know, if you're burned out, and you start sharing about that on LinkedIn, like those posts take off like crazy. Wild. And there's like a reason for that, you know? And, and again, like quiet quitting, it's just a perfect example of like, you know, someone starts a video on TikTok that's 15 seconds long and suddenly it's like trending on LinkedIn, the business platform. Um, and so we're in this unique time where like, you know, when I joined the workforce, it was like only the people at the top had a, had like a voice and now it's like anybody can have a voice. Like if you got something to say, you can say it. Right. Um, so I guess where I'm going with that is like when we're looking to work with companies, you know, number one, we don't work with like the big tech, you know, we're not working with Amazon and, you know, Meta and like yeah. you know, these big tech companies, they don't really need our help, right? Everybody wants to work for them. But the amount of people I talk to from those companies, the number one thing is like, it's kind of what we're talking about where like, you know, they, you, they get to a point where maybe that's what they've always thought they wanted, right? Everyone wants to work at Fang, you know, everyone wants to work at Netflix and everyone wants to work at these like companies. But then it's like they get in and 
you know, it's like everyone reaches this tipping point where they're just like, man, like, okay, great. Like I've just been overworked and you know, at the yeah. end of the day, like I'm, I'm a number and particularly in HR and, and TA, you know, that's, that's what you run into. Um, so I, you know, and I think like, you know, like you mentioned with, with HR, it's like not having a voice and like just being seen as like the, okay, we need to have this. Cause like the legal, you know, like you just do all the legal stuff. Right. I think that, you know, that's really frustrating. And, you know, a lot of HR people I talk to, like they, they want to move more into like these HR business partner positions where they're like partnering with the business and like coaching people. And um, we're, we're seeing that shift, you know, I think a lot more. And I think it's probably one of the things that I see a lot of startups doing well is like they, they kind of create these positions, but you know, just as much as this, this happens in HR, same thing happens in TA where, you know, like, you want to, I think people want, they want to, in these positions, they want to be true consultants, you know, and they want to be listened to. And I know like if I'm working with a hiring manager and they don't want to listen to anything I've got to say about what I'm seeing, you know, how can I feel comfortable in placing a recruiter, a company like that? So when we're looking to partner with companies, it's like how you treat us as a business, it, you know, gives us a good indication of how you're going to treat candidates. And, uh, you know, it gives us as advantage. Like if you treat us like, you know, if you, aren't treating as good during the sales process. Like we don't actually, you know, we're fine to walk away from the business because we'll just find another company that does see the value that we bring. And if we're hiring recruiters or hiring HR people, that matters, right? That's our reputation on the line. Um, so yeah, I think that like, even for me, like, you know, if I'm looking at deciding what companies to work for, I'm so like the rah-rah cultures that you see, you know, like the ones where everyone's like, everything's amazing and like everything's all hyped up those are the environments i i don't really want to be in and you know and, and again like i think there's like a that's one of the things i appreciate about the company i work at it's like there's just humility around you know and i think we're going to start seeing more like you know, hopefully we'll start seeing more like humility and leadership and and those types of traits rather than hey here's our culture and this is why we're amazing and the best place to work but then you get there and it's like nobody's really like that <laughs> you know so um yeah so I, that's probably kind of a roundabout way to it's like uh you see those um you know you see those um those retirement community pictures and it's you know all these um old folks who are just like having a ball and then you walk into the place and it like kind of stinks <laughs> it's like the most totally. depressing thing ever you know what i'm saying um Talk to me a little bit about, um, so I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Cause like where, what's the strong force or like, is it, is it HR's job or, you know, ethics job to like turn the light bulb on and show their value and show their sort of strategic opportunity, uh, to the people at the top who, you know, view them in this sort of one dimensional way, or is really the strong force, the openness to those people at the top who, you know, to say, Hey, there's a, there's gold in them hills and I, I need to unleash these people and I need to push them to be those business partners. Like if somebody just has like an HR, just a sort of a, you know, kind of a, a generic sort of HR title, is it their job to sort of extend, ex expand the scope of their position and influence to be that sort of business partner? Or is it really on them if they want that to go find a, a spot at an organization that already has sort of carved out that new territory for them to play that out? That's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I, I think 
you're gonna have an uphill challenge, right? If you're in if you're in the first type of place that you described where you know, you're working with executives that aren't listening and valuing what you have to say right yeah. from the get go, I think you're in an uphill challenge. And I think in those types of positions, what I would advise people to do is to get mentors or to find get into communities. You know, like there's so many communities out there of HR leaders or TA leaders. There's all these communities that you can be involved involved in and I think if you're able to find people who have walked through that, yeah, uh, that are maybe in some of these like chief people officer roles, or you know they're they're at an executive level in HR, and you can kind of find a mentor in that space. I think that that is really helpful. But I think if you're at the point where like, man, I just I'm not feeling empowered. I think yeah, like definitely seek out organizations that put value in in that because um, there's there's I think there's a lot more organizations that are are seeing that. Um, but again, it comes down to what we were talking about at the beginning where it's like, that's why networking and like genuinely like spending time, just connecting with people is so important. And I get it. We all have really busy days, but I think like at the end of the day, like I can't think of a better investment in terms of just like meeting people in your network, people who are smarter than you, who've been down the road and you know, like making friends, whatever, you know, in your industry, you've always got to be doing stuff like that. And I think what happens is people get into roles and they get super siloed and focused, which is a good thing, right? It's good to work hard and all of that. But at the end of the day, like you've got to be networking and learning and having these conversations with people. Uh, you know, I was going to, I actually did a post today about it and, uh, and then Ah, no, I didn't really feel right about it. So I stopped writing about it, but it was just basically like this whole idea of like, you know, you see these posts where it's like, Oh, I never thought this could happen to me. I'm laid off. And I'm like, man, we gotta, we gotta get less gullible with this stuff. Like this is yeah. business, you know, like, right. It doesn't matter how good the culture is or whatever, <laughs> like businesses are going to make cuts and nobody is indispensable. It just doesn't matter who you are. Even if you're the CEO, you're probably the most expendable uh, at this point. So I, but I think like you see these people who are like, Oh man, I'm, I never could have seen this coming. And I think, you know, my advice to people is like, see it coming and just make sure you got a strong network and, and spend that time harvesting with network. And networking is easier than it's ever been. Like I remember when networking was like, right. you had to go to these evening events Right. Now you can take these Zoom calls anytime, any any place and, and connect with people. It's not really as difficult as you think it is. Well, there's a universal law of reaping and sowing, right? And, you know, you talked about networking as an investment. <clears throat> and when you're sowing seeds, that's an investment because it's not like you plant the seed and then you come back the next day and you have a full orange grove. It takes time for that to happen. And it's almost uh, like you hear somebody say, I, you know, I just don't have time to work out. Well, I don't have time to eat right. I don't have time to sleep. Well, if you do that long enough, you're going to get burned out or you're going to come to uh, an early demise or whatever it is. So prioritizing these things, I mean, if you believe in the law of reaping and sowing and you believe that if you plant good seeds, you're going to get a good harvest. If you actually believe that, then carving out small time and prioritizing that can lead to those outcomes that we're all looking for. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time. So I like I like how you talked about that as an investment because I think you're right. It's easier than ever to take advantage of this. And like those, um, I hated those networking events back in the day because like they're just so cringe, dude. It's like you're having a conversation with someone. I'm, you know, trying to get through it. You know, it seems so stilted and fake. 
and you're like, you have your like business facade on and you're not making any actual connections. And you get this stack of like business cards that you're like, oh, I can't throw these out. And like, for me, I just like put them on a shelf and like they would just accumulate and I would never use them. And like, to your point today, we can, you know, use these platforms to put our unique voice out there and um, really take advantage of all these other people that are, you know, trying to make these actual connections. And I want to say one thing um, that I was just thinking of. Um, I think many people hold back on posting or like leaning into social or, re or raising their hand even and reaching out to somebody and saying, hey, can I get some help? Or, hey, you seem like someone who's, you know, successfully, you know, moved into this role as like a business advisor or, or you know, a partner to the business. I feel a little bit stuck can we hop on a quick call? People are so reticent to do that um, or they're so reticent to like put a post up with their actual opinion or their actual voice. And I just think, you know, that fear is from like a fear of like, they don't want to cross the line. What I found is that that line is way further out than you think. And yeah. like everybody goes home and watches the same Netflix shows. Everybody laughs at the same stuff. Like we're all just a bunch of human beings. And I think as we move to a more human, hopefully, uh, a more human centric, uh, you know, economy, uh, as we move from this sort of industrial revolution to, you know, a real knowledge work economy where we are our work. I mean, it's just the fact of it. Now we have the opportunity to take advantage of that increased humanization, but it's going to take us, you know, pushing that forward. As you've talked to people who have sort of had those light bulbs turned on either in your previous consulting business, or as you talk to, to, um, to candidates or, you know, other people that you come in contact with, what do you think about what I just said? And how do we, how do we encourage more, more people to take advantage of this opportunity that's right in front of us? Yeah, I, I think like, you know, one of the things that you said that it's really interesting is like, you know, not wanting to cross that line, which when I think about that, it's, there's a lot of fear when it comes to anything around posting or networking, or, you know, even like with what we're talking about before with, um, before the, before this call, we were talking about sales and you know why are some people successful in sales why aren't other people as successful yeah and a lot of it i just i just think is fear and i think like there's a fear of, of rejection there's a fear of like losing business or losing accounts and i think that's where like you know even like you said with those networking events i used to feel that same way where it was like i but i'm just not good at like business small talk like i'm not good at talking about the football game because right. I don't like football. I like soccer. I'm not good at um, kind of like this fake small talk because I just, I just, it's just, I don't really have time for that. So it was actually really difficult to connect. And I think, you know, if, if you're in that situation where you're feeling like that, like my advice to anybody is just to number one, just break past that. And like you said, like the line is always way, way further. And like, you're going to, we, we also live in a, in a unique time where, for sure, like, you know, cancel culture is a real thing. Okay. So like, um, and what that means is like, yeah, you will post things and you will find opposition. But the reality is, is like, you're also, you always find people who like resonate with what you, what you say. And I think to me, like the opportunity cost of, of like, kind of like losing people that don't resonate with what you say compared to like connecting with people who do. Mm -hmm it's worth it and it's okay and it's like you know I, th I think the challenge right especially in hr is like you know in, in the hr position like you do actually have to be really careful about what you say and like obviously like you know there is a difference between like what you think and like the business world as well like sure. there, there are a lot of these, these these fine balances but but i think like if you're 
if you're stepping out and you're being bold with things and you're talking about things that are like actually values, you know, if those are your values and that's, and those are your core values, then they do actually matter. And like, if you hide those things or you don't, you know, you're not open with them, then it's going to be hard to connect with other people who have those, those same core values as well. So, well, I mean, to your point, think of the, think of the, the deepest relationships you have, the authentic relationships you have are with people who know the actual you and they know what those core values are and they know what those actual views are. And to your point, to the extent that we sort of cover up those nodes for potential connection, well, we shouldn't be surprised that we don't have any authentic connections in this realm if we're freaking hiding all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? hundred percent. Yeah, but it's and then also like I think with that too, it's just you know particularly when it comes to posting, like hey, I don't share every single opinion that I have for good for good reason, and so like you do have to be smart with that. And sure. it's the same with like I know when we talk about like personal posting, it's the same thing. Like I don't I don't share like every single personal thing online. Totally. Some people do, and like it's okay, and you kind of got to know your own threshold. But um, I think the point is is just like being able to step out is in, is important and it's important in workplaces. It's important on social media. It's, you know, I guess, I guess like finding your voice in these things does, does matter. And, you know, it's like at the end of the day, I know for every single person that doesn't say something, there's, you know, there's 10 people that feel the same way or aren't saying something. So eventually somebody has to say something and just, just be bold with things. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the great thing about LinkedIn in some ways, or like some of these social media platforms, with maybe the exception of TikTok, because you can just go viral at any moment. But the truth is, is like most of the stuff that you, when you start posting and getting your voice out there, like nobody sees anyway. So it's right. like there's some freedom. There's some freedom there's in that, that freedom you can actually take. I mean, if yeah. you can just unleash and just be like, you know what? No one's even going to read this. No one's even going to look at this. Or I got to make a thousand posts or I got to make a thousand, you know, whatever, you know, pieces of content before anyone's going to notice it and just recognize that, you know, Hey, that's just going to be kind of in the lab. It's just super freeing to to go go ahead and unleash it, and it also gives you that sort of like longer runway to not like crap out because you know it's going to take kind of uh, you know, longer for for it to all you know actually come together. But you know, you said something about like finding your voice, and I think we as individuals need to do that. Whether you're going you know going online or whether you're just you know um, you know navigating through a, a workplace or if you're an organization to kind of figure out your broader brand, you have to find your, your voice. And I think a lot of it, I think, is kind of like singing. Like if you want to become a singer-songwriter, how do you start doing that? Well, you probably start by like emulating other people's songs. And that's a fine way to do it. You can kind of emulate things and you can see what feels good and what works. And in doing that, you sort of start to build some confidence up and then your your real voice can come out. But it is about finding it. Very, very few people sort of like know their voice when they're immediately yeah. born. You know what I'm saying? You have to kind of iterate it and you have to, you know, uh, create it in a way. Yeah, I mean, that's a, I mean, that's exactly how my path was. I mean, without a doubt, like, and, you know, like when I think when I first started posting, like I was just doing, not that I wasn't using like the playbook, all right? Because obviously there's a couple of playbooks that are out there. But I was just kind of like, oh, this is how you structure a post. This is the kind of thing you can talk about. And it is really interesting as you see like the evolution of that. And it, mm -hmm. it has been now to the point where like I kind of know like what to say and like how to say it and like you know. But it, it was it was a process, you know. Right. And, and I think with a lot of these things, it is a process. And it's same with with career as well, like. I think people get really looped into or they get really obsessed with, oh, I've got to make it to big tech, for example. Like I just 
the amount of like people who are like obsessed with big tech like, is insane. And I'm like, land or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look, anybody, most people I've talked to are in those positions. It's like they're gold. They've got the golden handcuffs. Totally. They're making some good money, but man, like, you know, Amazon doesn't pay people like good money to do nothing. Like they are, they, I talked to a guy who's leading like a talent team of like 20 people and, I think he's okay now, but it was like his, he said like the first six months were brutal and he had like a young, he's got a young family and he's like, yeah, man, I see your post about being with your kids. And I'm like, Hey, look, I get it. Like I'm making like career sacrifices, uh, you know, because I see like people who have, who are spending 80 hours on their craft. I'm not spending 80 hours on my craft. I'm making a, an intentional sacrifice, but I'm also convinced in my mind that I'm the type of person that when I'm, you know, when my kids are 20, I don't want to look back and be like, oh, dude, I miss like the best times in life. And I'm convinced that like little kids, like the time you have with Lila, my own personal, like, this is my own personal belief. You know, I feel the same way. But for me, like I love hanging out with like my four-year-old, like every night I'm in her bed with her, like asking her what her favorite time of the day is because I want those moments to like remember. Um, and, you know, and he, but for him, like he's like, yo, I'm, I, you know, he's like, I'm in this, higher level position at this company i'm managing a team and he's well he's wanting to put the work in and that's okay like i don't look at that and be like oh you're a terrible person that's your own choice and right. you can you can choose choose that um but i think like you have to experience different things to almost like figure out that as well and i think the danger is is if we just like if you just if you just want to work at big tech because that's what everybody wants to do what happens when you get there and it isn't what you want. It's like, just diversify up your experiences. Like, you know, we, it's, we live in a great age where it's like, it's not like it was 40 years ago. Where you got to go work for a company for 40 years and that's it. It's like, right. you can try out a company for six months. You want to, you want to know what startup life is like, go work at a startup. Like just try and get your foot in right. the door at one, see what it's like. And you might love it or you might hate it. But the point is the, the cost of changing jobs is lower than it's ever been. Labor it, mobility so is higher than it's ever been. And so, you know, it's on us to either take advantage of that or, you know, be, you know, be trapped. But that's like, to your point, your own decision. And, you know, something you said really resonated with me. And we have little kids for like four or five years at all. You know, like at, that's it. That's all you got. And um, I think just one of the worst things in life is regret. And, you know, imagine having all this money. I mean, back to what I was saying um, about, you know, these like moguls of business. <laughs> Imagine having all this money or all these accolades or all these, you know, awards and your kids don't want anything to do with you. What a tragedy that would be, dude. Like that would be brutal, but it's going to be a I function know, of, of the choices that you make and what you end up prioritizing, you know? Hey, it's, and, but, you know, I will say too, like, I do genuinely think that like some people are like cold to that. And I know that sounds terrible, yeah. but it's like, I, I, I do think that like, like I look at like people who are like amazingly just fantastic, you know, like I was watching the NFL game last night for like two seconds and I, you know, it's through prime and they kept like looking at like Jeff Bezos. And I think he's like such a interesting character of like, obviously he would never have like, he can predicted when he started off Amazon, like how big it would be. Cause it's just so like, it's mind blowingly big. Like, yeah. I mean, Maybe he, that was his vision. Obviously, like you've got to be supervision and you got to have have the driven. But like I'm sure it's past like what he even would have totally. like imagined. You know, right. I'm sure he's been like happy. You know, maybe, maybe he wouldn't. But anyway, I think like looking at someone like that, you're like, man, like 
you know, some people are called to, to that type of thing, but it's like also like he got divorced, you know, like last year. And it's like, who knows where his personal life is at? Like who right. knows what, where, where he's really at. Right. And it was like, they, they kept panning at those, the moment, at least I was watching it, they just kept panning over to him. And, and I just thought like, man, it's just like a fascination with this guy. Cause it's like incredible. And same with like Elon Musk, but it's like, you just think of these people, like some people are just cold to that type of life, but not everybody is, you know, like we can't all be that, but it's like, so I think it's a part of it. It's like knowing what you're called to do. And I think if you are called to that type of life, it's like, there's so much sacrifice and like, yes, there's lots of, you know, money, great, you know, material things. Awesome. It, you know, and I think you can do lots of great things with money. And I think that is, is amazing. But I know a lot of business owners as well who, you know, just in my personal life who, they made sacrifices with their kids and um, you know, and who knows how they felt like at the end of the day of like, Oh man. Now granted, like with that money, they did, they were able to do amazing things like help people, you know, and like help and get behind causes, which is amazing. And like, what a great like freedom to be able to have. Like, I love that. To make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. To make, to make a difference. But again, it's like, you know, it's like not everybody's just, it's not everybody's life calling, you know? And I think, and I think for businesses, like it's, it's kind of like knowing that too about your employees, like, dude, there's definitely like, you shouldn't, like you shouldn't expect your payroll assistant to be like, it's culture. Like all about your culture is the same as like, you know, your chief operating officer. It's like, not everybody. It's like, but we kind of like put people in like these, you know, like that, that person who's just joined the company. It's like, they have to be as invested as the person that's been there for 10 years. It's like, yeah. No, like give them some time. Like maybe they'll fit in and maybe they'll be there for a long time. Maybe they won't, but it's like, I don't know. We just had to box people into like, everybody's got the same goals or something. I don't know. Yeah. And that kind of gets down to uh, what you were talking about before of like culture fit versus culture ad. And I think that culture ad is such a, um, it seems like a more harmonious way to usher people into a culture. Like I think culture is super important. I, you know, I want our organization to have a great culture and that doesn't mean that we are spitting out a bunch of automatons who are marching in goose step. You know what I'm saying? It should be, uh, we can unite around a, a given purpose and there's room for this diversity because we're pursuing something that's bigger than ourselves. Um, but it's easy to sort of, you know, kind of, um, you know, ch- kind of chop down to that. Uh, that cult piece where everybody must conform and everybody must. But you, you probably have some people who are like, like that core. Like I always think, like with any companies, like you have that like core group who maybe you guys are like pretty similar and you guys are seeing the same thing and you're like caught up with the same vision. But then it's like, you know, as like as you get on, it's like you know the person that just joined the company two months ago, like. Yeah, how can I, I expect somebody who's new to like be as passionate about the business or the role that culture should should play in our long-term strategic vision as I am? It's never going to happen, you know. But it but it's like it's so funny because it's like every you know so many companies it's like how they it's kind of like how they do it where it's like you hit you know you hear that person that's two months in of the job and they're like oh this is it, it's just amazing and it's fantastic and yeah, they're getting and the company logo branded on their arm, you know. Yeah, like I'm I'm going to be here like I remember one of my the companies I worked with, it was that first one. They kind of had that kind of culture. And like, I will say it's actually a good culture. And like, I had a great time there and I experienced a really terrible culture after that. So yeah. I had, I had the ability to contrast it, but I remember there was this girl on the team who was like, Oh, I'm going to be here for life. Like I'm a lifer. And then it was like 18 months later, she left. 
And I was like, like, great. Like you're excited. And you know, maybe you came from a really terrible place, which is great. But I just think like, you just need to be cool with people being like, yeah, you know, like I'm trying it out. And it's like, what's wrong with that? You know, right. but it's like somebody, somebody read a culture book and then it's like, and everybody read this culture book. And then suddenly it's like culture is, it's, it's like, it is like you said, it's like that cult thing. And, and I think, uh, but I just think like Gen Z, like they just don't care in that same way. It's like, they're fine. They want to be their own people, you know? And it's like, in some way it's like, it's interesting. Cause I think like, in some ways it's like we've kind of created this culture and now it's like CEOs and like people who are like really pretty much out of touch with like totally regular, you know, like just kids. I mean, they, they don't know what's going on. It's like they still have these initiatives like where they, they, they haven't seen like people want to be, they like want to be themselves and they want you to care about like what their whole life is and not just, just the work. And, and I think it's very, uh, it just creates a really interesting dynamic, I think, for like, you know, leaders in general. Yeah, this is actually a pretty interesting discussion because it's almost like the more like the more authentic the culture is, it needs to coincide with uh, a more sort of human first approach, not just this sort of picture of us all playing ping pong and us having matching Patagonia vests. You know what I'm saying? It's actually putting the human first and that human has multiple facets to, to their life. It's not just the eight hours that they show up, uh, you know, on the company computer or in the company office, they have a life outside of it. And that is, uh, that should be as, that should be honored as much as, um, you know, the attention that sort of them in the, yeah. in the business, you know, plays. And it's obviously, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's always a challenge to balance that against performance and like our company goals. And like, you know, like we, we were talking before the show, are people running hard? You know, I'm kind of a performance over almost everything kind of a person and it's really tough to balance. But I think to your point, we've kind of, we're hopefully swinging out of this sort of like inauthenticity phase to something that's, you know, a little bit more human and I think the organizations that can sort of turn their light bulbs on to the fact that there is extremely low employee engagement across our entire, you know, working force, dude. And, you know, call that quiet quitting, call it whatever you want. But um, that disengagement coincides with a lot of like negative externalities in the business and a lot of um, toxicity in the business. And frankly, that trickles out to our communities and to the homes. And, you know, I mean, you've worked at places with people who, they leave work pissed, and what do you think that's like for their kids who are waiting for them to get get home? They're they're flipping a coin, wondering, you know, is dad going to come home in a good mood? You know, am I gonna, am I going to get my good dad or my angry dad today? Mm -hmm. All that stuff starts to multiply out across, you know, our entire world, and um, that you know, human, you know, that 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 people over profits or that that human centric um, approach, I think, is just a lot more powerful. It's a lot more fun to live in. It's a little, uh, it's a little harder to maybe like hold on to and sort of manage, but um, the benefits of it, I think, far outweigh, you know, whatever those extra, you know, um, those costs are. Well, and I think that's your edge, though, as like a, you know, kind of an upcoming business. Like that's the edge that you have, and like even just like the position you're in, like you're clearly like an in touch person with like what's going on. And I, I think what's really interesting is like it's just seeing these interactions in like really big companies, to be honest with you, because it's like, like there's no way like a, an executive at a big tech company, there's no way they're in touch with like, like regular people. It's just, it's, 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 right. it's maybe there is a way. And I'm not saying like Oliver, maybe there, there is a way, but I find it like, 
rare. I, I would say like the majority of them are just out of touch totally. with like real people or like, you know, kind of like the normal, the normal employees and then taking it a step further. Like, you know, I think about these like leaders at, you know, like banking, you know, for example, it's like, yeah. they just have like zero idea of like what these like kids care about, you know, and, and it's confused. I think it, it's really like, co- confusing. Um, yeah, exactly. Did you ever watch exactly. 30 Rock, that show? Uh, no. All right, well, no. there's... <laughs> Alec Baldwin's character is, you know, hilarious. He's, like, this, like, high-powered executive, and there's, like, this recurring joke that he just has no idea what things cost. He's like, how much is a gallon of milk? Like, $30 or something? Like, he has no clue about, like, what... what exactly. Life is life. How do you not lose touch? You just... You're just gonna. Exactly, and I think that's where, like, like you said, it's, like, the company's that's a massive advantage like for recruiting people and like understanding people. And I think, you know, the companies that kind of get that it's a massive, it's actually not, it's going to be a huge opportunity. And, um, you know, and it doesn't surprise me with like engagement either. It's like, I think we've tried to like, just get back to business as usual, but man, the last two years, I just think it's just, it's, it's changed everything. We don't even know like how it's really impacted things. Like I think with like my kids, like, my right, daughter dude. for the first year of her, you know, year and a half of her life didn't have interaction with the kids because we were in a lockdown. She's seeing adults with like masks on their face right. constantly. Like we, we, and like, I think about like the teenagers that miss, you know, right. school activities and like, we just seen a lot of shifts, which I, it's like, I think people act like it's just kind of steps back to normal, but yeah, we don't know the, the implications of that yet. How, no. how, how can we, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't sort of played out yet. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it does play out because it's not like the chain, you know, Oh, that was just like a blip and everything to your point, like everything's fine. That's going to continue. We're gonna well, now that we're looking at this huge, what this huge, you know, they're, they're talking about like a big, you know, impending recession, which like, obviously it's just the news some of the time, but like, I mean, we also have like our big war going on, which like seems nobody ever, you know, is not seeming to talk about as much anymore right. either. So I'm not wanting to be like doom and gloom with things. I think there's like, I actually think there's a lot of opportunity, you know, and, and I think that hopefully there'll be some kind of like power shift in terms of like, I do think there's a lot of opportunity for like smaller companies and like companies that are like we're, we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's like latching onto that opportunity, understanding people more and uh you know delivering on that and then you know and again like i think it's it is cool that we can have like you know gen z has like a voice like you can't get away with stuff man you treat somebody bad and like you're a big company totally they go to social media with it now and it's uh i kind of wish i had social media at some of the jobs i had (laughs) (laughs) especially the you got now um yeah here's my big question for you if you could go back in time to a young joel whether it's you yeah. just coming out of high school or maybe it's you just, uh, you know, just crossing the pond and landing here. What's a piece of advice that you wish you had learned earlier? Yeah, honestly, like I like to talk a lot, right? I mean, you can tell that with, with how uh, the interview's gone. Like I think the biggest thing that I'm learning now um, in the role that I'm in, uh, you know, probably the first 10 years of my career, which I just didn't listen to was like, to listen more and like not be so quick to just like, I was always really quick in one of my positions where I was like, Oh, this process sucks. We need to change it. And like, I thought about that a lot. And then, and I'd always be like, Oh man, we need to change this. We need to do this better. We could just do this. 
And then I got into a position where I was like more involved in like building processes. And I was like, man, processes are tough to build. Totally. So I think like that would be my biggest advice is just like listening more and just, you know, and then also somebody did give me this piece of advice, but like, I just never like listened to it because I just think our culture is completely against it, but, or like kind of abs against it, but just this idea of like, this isn't like, especially with career and like these types of journeys, they're just marathons, like they're just longer. And it's like, you know, even this idea of success, like it's not just something which like you flip a switch and suddenly you're like successful. Right. It's just, these are journeys. So there you go. Yeah. And, um, that's actually really freeing advice. If you think about success as a journey instead of a destination, it's really just about putting one foot in front of the other. It's just about picking a mountain to climb and actually just making little incremental progress on it and recognizing that you're probably never going to get to the top of that mountain, but if you can make some progress on it, then that in itself could be success. There's this, I always felt this like impending pressure and I'm trying to kind of learn that and really digest that and live that out. But I've always felt this pressure, like I got to get to this point at this time, or, you know, I set these big goals for myself and I don't do, you know, I, I don't hit them because they're not even actually attainable or whatever. And then it's like this like existential crisis of like, (laughs) am I who I think I am? It's like, it's, it's navel gazing. It's, uh, it's vanity. You know what I'm saying? Um, but that shift, that longer term focus and that belief in the, the beauty is in the journey itself and the roses that you see along the way are as valuable as this uh the pursuit of this you know this this destination as anything else you know yeah i love that speaking my language i just i was reading uh have you read the compound effect no oh dude you should you should read that compound effect darren hardy um really cool book but just it's all that's what it's all about he's just like success isn't in like we have a society where like success is just like always seen in these like big steps, right? It's like going to the gym and it's this huge thing. And right. he, his whole thing is just like, it's small steps compounding over time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and if you can just like learn that, like it's really, it really unlocks the world. It really unlocks it really, the world. And it, it also, really does. And it also gives you the opportunity to unlock the God-given gifts that you have. Because sometimes we don't even give those to your, you know, it kind of goes back to what you're saying about, about, you know, people posting or whatever. It's like, we don't even give ourselves time to like bloom, you know? So, um, listen, Joel, I feel like we can keep talking all day, man. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the ethics experts. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, find, uh, Joel anywhere, uh, any social platform, TikTok. uh, find him on Twitter, find him on LinkedIn for sure. And uh, he's a great guy to connect with. Thanks so much for joining us today, bud. Thanks, Dave. Great getting to know you, man. All right, brother.